90% of cohabiting parents um, who stay together until their children reach 15 are married. Hello and welcome to Mothers Matter podcast with me, Claire Pay. This is the podcast that talks about why mothers matter and the things which matter to mothers. And today we're talking about marriage. Uh, my guest is Michaela Hyde, who works for the Marriage Foundation and is married. So that uh, I think pretty much qualifies her to talk about marriage. Um, I found it really interesting to talk to her about uh, the ways in which we can strengthen our marriages and why marriage is uh, really such an important institution for for um, society. So um, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Well, Michaela, thank you so much for spending the time with me today to talk about marriage. I really appreciate your your uh, involvement with this podcast. Oh, pleasure! It's lovely to be invited. Thank you, Claire. Thank you. Well, you are um, sort of Mrs. Marriage in some ways. <laughs> can, can you can you um, tell us a bit about how you got involved with uh, the Marriage Foundation and Marriage Week and what your interest in in marriage is? Yeah, I mean it's interesting. Um, so, just if I give a little bit of real sort of proper background in terms of my husband and I, I guess we've both come from um, from families where the, the marriages have been intact and stayed intact and have and have survived and, in fact, are still you know, our parents are both still together. So we've always felt there was almost a sort of a good legacy, if you like, passed on. And I'm not saying that's a given, that you therefore make marriage work because of that. My sister's not had the same um, sort of fortune, if you like. Um, but for us, there was this value of marriage being important and working at it and, and commitment for life. That was your that mindset. And and uh, we were invited to um, to a conference called, um, well, it's a Time for Marriage conference. And it's an annual com- conference that was running at the time. And it was really for people involved in marriage and so on and my husband used to do music at church lead music and lead, lead worship so we were invited to this so what happened at the uh, time for marriage conference how did you find it so um we so my husband and I have really appreciated and valued being at these conferences an annual conference and really seeing the bigger picture of the value of marriage not just for us in our little relationship, as it were, but the, the broader impact on couples and society and for children. And I think it began to, if you like, um, excite me in as much as, as though I wanted to, to be part of this journey almost and to make a difference. And we heard um, Sir Paul Coleridge, um, the founder of Marriage Foundation, speaking at one of the conferences. And I was really interested in all, all that he was saying um, and you know, his background as a high court judge seeing the impact of family breakdown and wanting to do something about it. And I somehow felt like I wanted to be on this journey, you know, when something really grips you and you think, I want to be part of this. So I emailed him after the conference and just said, I really appreciated what you shared at this conference. Um, and I would like to connect in some way. I don't mind if I volunteer. I just felt like I wanted to be part of this. So long story short, I ended up coming along to some of their advisory board meetings and I was introduced to another charity and did some schools work with married couples, um, but stayed in contact with Marriage Foundation. And eventually um, I was invited to be the project director to run UK National Marriage Week, which is a project of Marriage Foundation. So that was the sort of the way that I sort of came into things. Um, and then in 2019, I was invited to be the executive director of Marriage Foundation. We're a very small team, um, but we we're all passionate actually about this, if you like, this cause to champion marriage. Our slogan is champion marriage for the good of society, especially our children. Um, and um yeah, so it, I think it was at that point where I, I really felt as though, yeah, there's something much more to this than, than perhaps a lot of people understand and realise, and I want to help communicate that. So you got involved with Marriage Foundation, and uh, what would you say is the difference between people being married, people being uh, just cohabiting in society? What, why, does it, why does it matter? Um, that's such a good question, Claire, and I think... Um, it's it's always a tricky thing to actually talk about in many ways because depending on who's listening, we all, we all come from different situations. Whether we've been married, whether we are living with somebody, whether we've been through divorce, and so sometimes when you deliver information around marriage, it can sound as though the person delivering the message is making a judgment on somebody. But we're not doing that at all. We're just trying to identify, okay, what are the differences? Let's be informed and make really good choices around that. 
the big difference um, between marriage and informal cohabitation is is the commitment that marriage necessitates. And I am I I've talked with my husband. We do a radio show called the M Word on Connect Radio, and um, we talk about something called the forever conversation. And it's a, it's a kind of an all encompassing phrase because actually it invites people, whether they're married or not, to actually stop and think: Have we had a conversation about the future? With marriage, you have to, at some point, sit down together and make a choice about the future together. You decide your intention is to spend the rest of your life together. And that creates stability for you as a couple. There are these kind of, we, we understand where we both you know, stand on, on the relationship. There's no ambiguity. When couples cohabit, it often comes from a place of, well, let's just see how things go. And it's referred to sliding and not deciding. You almost slide into this. You know, we've been going out for a bit. We'll, we'll, we'll move in together. But there's no decision about the future. Um, and it's that mindset, that commitment that makes all the difference. And I know I've, I've spoken before about having, I did the Great North Run some years ago um, in the northeast of England. And it's a half marathon. And once you've signed up and you've said, this is what I'm going to do, you've got that commitment in place to say, I'm going to stick to this. I've got people that are sponsoring me. And with marriage, once you've made that commitment, you, in fact, you stand in front of friends and family and you make yourself accountable to them as well and say, this is where I'm headed. And so almost there's a mindset that says, I want to make this work. And I think with informal cohabitation, you don't have that same mindset. And I would just add, Claire, that there are obviously going to be couples who are living together where they may be listening, thinking, well, we are intentional about the future, but it's just a lot more unusual. And statistically, marriage is three times more likely to succeed compared with informal cohabitation. And, and that's why we champion it and say, if you are living together, stop and think. Maybe this is the time to have a forever conversation. That's really interesting. And what, what, are the, uh, what difference does it make having children uh, where there are children, where a couple may be cohabiting or maybe married? Is there a difference in the sort of breakup? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, some of the stats that, that we have and um, that we've talked about. So I, this is one of the ones that really struck me quite early on, um, that, that cohabiting parents, so unmarried cohabiting parents, make up 19% of all couples with dependent children, but they account for half of all family breakdown. And that is phenomenal, which is why we've got this one in three. You know, you're more, three times more likely to succeed if you're married. And again, it comes from this place of, of stability that you've, you've established. And I mean, I, I'm sure anybody listening would, who's got children, you'd say that it's been one of your greatest joys and your greatest challenges is being a parent and having children. And so that period of time when you have children as a couple can put the relationship under a lot of strain because you're suddenly engage with new circumstances new experiences and there can be a pull on your time because of the child and what they may or may not need so having that stability as a couple from the outset doesn't mean it's going to be easy but you've got that greater security of well we are going to be together we'll find a way through this um so that's a big difference I think, uh, well, we're going to come back to sort of the stages of marriage with children a bit later. But I remember when we had just had um, our daughter, so our first child, um, reading something in one of the tabloids about some celebrity couple. They said, oh, we're going to have a child together to prove our commitment or something. And my husband and I would both say, well, that's not going to work because you know, yeah. it's, more, it's more likely to drive you apart. You know, if you're going yeah. to have a child to prove your commitment, you have to prove you're committed before you have your child. Absolutely. I think it's those strong foundations that, from the outset that, that make all the difference. And I, I, I think one of the things I've often felt as a, you know, being married with my children, that whatever is going on, it, in my head, I, I'm not in fear that, that actually if things get difficult, it's all going to fall apart, that, you know, my husband and I, again, I'm not saying it's perfect and sometimes things happen in relationships. But there is, again, it's about this being intentional. It's about a mindset that says, this is where we are headed. We will navigate whatever comes our way in the meantime, including parenting our children, which is such a, a big and, you know, an amazing task. But as I say, it is a, it has its challenges. Mm. <laughs> and with the... Um... 
uh, breakups sort of later on. Is there uh, what's going on with the figures in divorce for married? Well, obviously you only get divorced if you're married, but but there's always sort of, seems to be conflicting figures about there, whether there's more divorces than ever or fewer divorces or, or what's yeah. going on. And, and after how many years are people getting divorced? So um, I mean, one of the things with divorces within the first ten years there is definitely a higher rate of divorce that will happen. And this is reflected in the number, you know, having children is absolutely correlates with that as being a difficult time. But the big picture in divorce, I mean, we're often asked about divorce rates and so on. And, and actually um, the divorce rate has been dropping um, for a number of years. Um, and you could argue, well, actually the marriage rate has also been dropping over that time. But we did some analysis um, of some offices, national statistics data, looking at lifetime chances of divorce um, by sort of, if you like, looking at marriages that have been taking place since the 60s, right sort of up to 29 when we did the data. Um, and um, I'll just refer to it now, actually, Claire, if I can. So, um, so our analysis of our data in 2019 enabled us to calculate the lifetime risk of divorce for couples marrying in 29. And we discovered that the risk of divorce had dropped from its peak of 44% in 86 down to 35% in 2019, rates not seen since the 1960s. So this is lifetime chance of divorce, which gives a different angle on it because I, I, so many people have said to me, oh, well, divorce rates are going down because fewer people are marrying. But actually, one of the things that we're finding from this data in particular is that there isn't the same social pressure to marry that there used to be because nobody lived together. Whereas now people will live together, sometimes with the attention to be married later on. Um, but it's not frowned upon. It isn't a society no-no. You can do that. So when people do marry, they are being almost more intentional and saying, I really do want to do this. I'm no one's making me do this. I'm choosing to be married. And so actually, of course, that means there is going to be more chance of these marriages working and lasting because no one's forced them into it. And I think the other thing to a good reminder is that 80% of all couples are still married. So marriage is still the most you know, popular choice. But inevitably, divorce happens and people often refer to that. But let's think back to the earlier stat, Claire, when, you know, I said that half of all divorce, half of all family breakdown comes from cohabiting um, couples. But there's, there's such a small number of cohabiting couples. So it's far more likely to happen in that scenario. Um, so there's no sort of hard and fast rules. Well, if you do this, this will happen. If you get married, you'll stay together forever. It simply isn't the case for everybody. But we just know that big picture it provides that extra stability that you don't get elsewhere. Is there a figure? I, I seem to remember a figure about um, uh, parents of older children and how likely they are or how likely a child is to be living in a single parent family by the time they're 16. Yeah. Is that? Uh, yeah, there is. Yeah. So um, we've got, a, I've got a couple here actually I can refer to, which will be helpful just to sort of understand that. So, um, so 90% of cohabiting parents um, who stay together until their children reach 15 are married. So 90% of couples that are together, they are married. Um, so, you know, that is, a, is a, a real indicator of strength of marriage and that stability. And um, another one that's quite useful, if, you're, if you like stats, Claire, I can give to you, um, is that if current trends remain as they are, 35% of children born in the UK today will not be living with both of their birth parents by the time they're age 15. And that comes back into the one in three marriages working. Um, so one in three ma um, divorces um, happening um, compared with informal cohabitation. Mm. It's really staggering that, isn't it? And I, yeah. I think when we, we go on to talk about how to have a sort of healthy marriage, uh, mm. we'll see how, how easy it is that it can go wrong. <laughs> Yeah. How many, how many yeah. things there are that if you, you know, if you weren't married at some point, you think, oh, stuff this, uh, yeah. you know, it's very hard work. Um, Definitely. So, yeah. And just one more thing on the sort of statistical, so, or not statistical, but the, the um, uh, sort of formal side of it. Uh, what are the um, issues around uh, will writing and legacy and so on if you're married versus cohabiting? Is there a, a still a difference in law for the partner? Yeah. There is. I think, again, people talk about, you know, sort of common law, husband or wife. Um, and I think many people um, assume that if they are living together, then they have the same rights 
as couples who are married and that if if one person should very sadly pass away, that they would automatically get everything within the house. It just doesn't work like that. There are no rights for cohabiting couples. And it's interesting because it is something that has been campaigned for, that there are people that are trying to campaign for that. Um, and obviously now people have the choice of civil partnership or marriage, whether you're heterosexual or gay, you've got all of those choices available to you. So for people that don't want to be married but still want to demonstrate commitment to one another, then they can have a civil partnership. So at Marriage Foundation, we would say, actually, you know, you don't want any couples to be in difficulty if if a partner passes away. But we would say if you are living with somebody um, and you've not made a commitment to them, you need to, you know, you need to be married or in a civil partnership to have the same legal rights in terms of, like, as you say, with wills and, um, you know, if you've got a house together, and it's particularly in one person's name, then you will not get the house. It won't go to you. Um, so it's really worth highlighting. Actually, on a very practical level, it's important that you are legally bound together, marriage or civil partnership. Right. Well, in terms of getting legally bound together, um, <laughs> what would you say... if I mean, most people listening are probably already either married or, or um, you know, not. I suppose that's profound saying, but, you know, but <laughs> in terms of before you get married, what mm. would you say are the things that people should be talking about and considering? In terms of thinking about future together, oh, that kind of thing. Yes, future. What sort of conversations do people need to be, need to be having? And what, what do you think are the sort of pinch points that might flare up? Yeah, I think that I think one thing that is really crucial is that you talk about the values the things that are important to you and that your values align with one another so obviously things like do you want to have children you know is a really big thing to talk about um and um you know ensuring that your you know the, the your goal in life if you like that there is some sense of alignment you don't have to be the same people but I think in you know being with someone that says yes I want to invest in this relationship that I'm going to make this my priority and I think it's very important that we um this is my experience as well as something we'll talk about at marriage foundation that you prioritize um your other half over over everything else if you like um and you it keep investing in that relationship there has to be a mindset of investing in that relationship from the outset and as i say just making sure that you know that things like you know where you want to live where you want if you want to travel but just having conversations about what's important to you both to make sure that you can either align or work through some of those things so communicating really clearly from the outset um is is a big part of preparing for the future together i also think that there is a lot that you can't prepare for but having that commitment and that intentionality that i spoke about beforehand will help you navigate the things that you didn't know about that you weren't quite ready for you didn't realize that your other half thought this way or wanted to do such and such but actually your commitment is such that well we'll work through that somehow Absolutely. And with in terms of once you are married, what would you say are the um, elements for a healthy marriage? Uh, uh, sort of like, you know, you take your car for an MOT or something that in terms of keeping your marriage healthy and strong and so on. What, what do you find or what do you think is really important for that? How can you have this really good marriage that keeps you together? Um, so it's interesting, actually, for Marriage Week um, in 2019, we our theme, because we have a theme for National Marriage Week, um, was Recipe for a Healthy Marriage. And we came up with six ingredients, if you like. Um, and actually, if you were to Google, you know, healthy relationships, all sorts of things. But we um, just felt that these sort of six really encapsulated all of the key areas, if you like. First one, of course, you'll know I'm going to say, Claire, is commitment, because I've said from the outset, it's hugely important. But of course, commitment isn't just about the moment of I do and saying I promise myself to use the rest of my life. It's a daily promise, if you like, it's a daily action um, in how we behave to one another and how we, um, you know, um, share things with each other. You know, our commitment is every day staying focused on one another and the relationship. Um, communication. I think if you asked anybody in a room what's one of the things needed, everyone would say communication, but I don't think they always know quite how to um, to actually carry that out. And I think um, communication, of course, is, is about listening and it's not just, you know, and listening, of course, doesn't mean waiting for the gap till you can say something again. <laughs> it's, it's listening with understanding. So 
Um, communicating is a big part. I mean, we can talk about love languages in a bit if you want to, but that whole understanding how one another communicates and making time to stop and listen to one another. Forgiveness, um, hugely important. Um, I will hands up say I think my husband is better at, you know, you know, you know, some sort of saying sorry than I am. I'm a bit more proud than he is. But being willing to forgive one another for mistakes that we make and being willing to, you know, to say sorry and to talk about those things. And forgiveness is one of those things. You could think, oh well, you know, sorry for something small, but of course resent resentment can build up. Lots of things coming together over time that is just left or pushed to one side can build up this big kind of wall of separation. Um, and actually, you know, unforgiveness can make us, you know, put us in a very difficult place and we can be really miserable because of that. Um, friendship. Um, now, I I, um, I also do a YouTube channel called The Relationship Hub and I interview couples about their relationship and just to get some of the realities of real life marriage relationships together you know, it's important for us to see the ups and downs um, in an ordinary way, not just sensational celebrities and so on. And I would say every time, every couple talks about friendship as being central to that, that relationship starting, but also continuing. Because I think most relationships begin with friendship. Um, and we have this solid, you know, friendship to start with. But it's again, it's important to keep that friendship going. Be committed to keeping up the friendship um, by having fun together, hanging out, doing fun stuff, as well as keep on under learning about one another, keep finding out about them as well. So friendship is really important. Um, then kindness. Um, kindness, um, I think, is a word that has become much more part of our sort of vocabulary in as much as it's talked about a lot more and I have a little postcard in my office Claire and it says kindness is power and my daughter gave it to me because I I've, you know we, we talk a lot about kindness it's it's a, it's one of these words that almost sounds quite simple and and in a you know not like a big shouting word but it's incredibly powerful it can change relationships by demonstrating kindness. Um, and sometimes we can forget to be kind to the people closest to us and take things for granted. So keep being kind, I think, is important. And the last thing we talked about was um, for the recipe for healthy marriage was intimacy. Um, and and I again, I use the word intimacy. I think, I think it's a very beautiful word, intimacy, because it, it talks about um, connection with somebody. So obviously... There's a physical intimacy and there's, you know, sexual intimacy. Um, but there's also that intimacy of, of touch. There's that intimacy of vulnerability. And I think actually all of those things work together. You know, if we are vulnerable, then our physical intimacy actually gets better because of that. So intimacy and vulnerability um, is something that you share with your partner to a level that you won't with anybody else. And I think that's a really important thing to nurture and look after. Um, and it will change over the years. And I think, again, keep coming back to it. And you mentioned MOT, Claire, didn't you? And I think all of these things, sometimes just checking in with each other, coming back to these things. How are we doing? Are we talking? Are we being grumpy with each other, actually? And we need to have more time doing something fun, build on our friendship. Um, keeping on going back to those things. Wow, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. I need to lie down after that and just sort of reflect on all those things. So, so I, there's a few a few words you said there that that remind me of um, uh, just ideas I've heard. And I remember with the resentment. I remember a, a I think it's one wedding sermon actually, not ours, but <laughs> someone else's, where they talked about um, you know every sort of crossword or something. It's like putting a brick in a wall. And you can't. And I sometimes think of that. I think, oh, I've put a yeah. few bricks up. I better take them down again yeah. because then yeah. you you end up not being able to see each other. Yeah. Um, because yeah. you've, you know, you've built up. I don't think uh, any marriage can have the sort of luxury of resentment. You don't. You can't. You can't keep it in there. No, no. absolutely. Because it just it just ends up being this, like you say, a wall in the way of everything else. I think the other thing I've heard people talk about a lot is emotional bank accounts as well. It's the same sort of idea. Mm that we want to make deposits into one another's emotional bank accounts and not withdrawals. And you don't either want to be on the line. Nobody wants to be on the line of things that it could quickly go under. So let's invest a lot more. And, and I think the other thing, um, my husband's a teacher and he's often talked about, 
secondary school teacher, but with with children, we we need to overpraise almost because you say one thing that's negative, and that's the thing that that they remember. So it's you know this idea of if you're having to correct once, then praise four times. And I think actually it's true of all of us, um, and that's that's a good good kind of approach. Not saying I do that all the time, but I, I you know <laughs> it's a good principle to try and achieve. I would say. Yes, yes. Um, I think communication is uh, is a tricky one because you you really need to talk about things, don't you? But some things you actually, I do find sometimes if you just leave something for long enough, it's not important anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the whole sort of go to bed angry, you know, you're not supposed to go to bed angry. But sometimes I think, well, just if you leave it till the morning, you might, you know, you might get over it. And, yeah, and also that, you know, that whole thing about, you know, yeah, not going to bed angry. And I think, um, you know, I don't not love my husband anymore if, if I've got grumpy with him. And sometimes you just feel too tired or you're too, you know, just not in the place to actually be rational with one another or, you know, whatever else. So I think you're right, Claire, that communicating is about finding the right time to do it and the right way to do that. And we're all human. We're going to make mistakes and not not always feel like making everything perfect. You know, it's never going to happen that way. So I think listening to one another about the right time is a good point. Yes, I think I think also that um, in the marriage, because you're this is just your whole life. You know, you can't keep up a front of being nice the whole time. <laughs> you, uh, we we love the program Modern Family. I don't know if you've ever, ever watched it, but I have it, seen some of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We love it. And there's a couple, um, Cameron and Mitch, and uh, they they have I think they have the best lines, and they have very good parenting lines and so on. But at one point, I think one of them gets crossed with the other, and they try to get shut down and he said just let me have my reaction I won't yeah. have my reaction and uh, and I think yeah. that's right you think I need to process this I yeah. am going to be cross and I might get over it but yeah. um yeah. you know I just need to I can't sort of shut it down straight away I need to sort of express that I'm not happy <laughs> no it's that's that's so true and in fact um one of the things we've talked about my husband and I is that I if if we have had um a disagreement or an argument I sometimes need longer just to kind of bring myself out of this um and my husband wants to quickly sort it all out I said no I need that time and I, I think you're you're right you, we just process in different ways and I think that's part of marriage as well is understanding one another's differences and not expecting them to behave the way you do and vice versa because well we're not going to are we we're different people so Yes. Yeah. I mean, I sometimes I say something and he responds in a way I'm not expecting. And I say, what do you think I've said? What do you th- what are you hearing me say? I didn't I didn't yeah. expect you to get cross at this. What do you think I've said here? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and sometimes I cross about something else and he'll say something and it'll it'll come out just because it's a, a sort of tinderbox. And now, I mean, you, you probably find the same with your children because they're older. I see myself reflected in my daughter who's 15 yeah. and I think I know exactly what's going on there that she's yeah. cross and her younger brother doesn't understand why she's so cross and I say well it's not you're just as a sort of um, lightning conductor you know yeah. she's already cross and she's looking for something for you to, that you've done wrong yeah. to give her a justification for feeling cross. Yeah. I think it yeah. comes from me and I can see it from my mother as well you know other, yeah. our relationships are very similar through the through yeah. the ages and I do think I do worry actually sometimes whether I'm sort of passing on bad habits to my daughter that uh, you know anyone she marries is going to have to be as you know placid and mild mannered janitor like my husband she's going to have to find someone who can who can cope with her really I think we'll always see things in our children and we will see the good bits and the not such good bits and I, I know I've talked with friends before and I think as parents I know I have I have sometimes really you know been negative about myself and been down on myself and thinking oh I've really I've really messed up today I've really not done very well today and um, and you feel disappointed that you've upset your child or you feel rubbish and all those sorts of things and then you then have to stop and remind yourself that actually you're feeling this way because your relationship with your children is so important and your intention is to do the right thing and remembering we're just not going to get it right all the time and I've always been someone that have talk to other friends about parenting because I think sometimes it just doesn't get talked about and we all think everybody else has got it all sorted and everything's fine and no one gets cross or irritated and it all looks idyllic and especially that whole social media world we live in and um (laughs) and I think it's you know important to with the right people be honest about things and actually you then share stuff and you realize okay I'm not 
doing quite as badly. I'm doing okay. Um, and we can build each other up as well. I think that's one of the key things about parenting is, is share with trusted friends so that they can, we can help build each other one, one another up when things do feel a bit rough um, along the way. Yes, I think, well, coming on to the parenting. So do you, do you have, I mean, when you have your first child, time just goes out of the window, time goes absolutely mad and you yeah. become a tag team and yeah. your partner's main function is just to do something that you don't have to do so that, <laughs> so that you can you can go and do something else is basically what's going on in the marriage. That if yeah. you know, if you get them to sleep and this, and you get a lot of... Um, differences in approach don't you that that uh, I mean I know that with fathers the role of fathers is introduce the children to risk you know that they yeah. take first of all they they give a safe area for a child to come away from the mother so yeah. the mother is also but then the mother doesn't always think they're safe I remember thinking saying to my husband I spent all day keeping her alive and now you've come home and you know you're throwing her in the air and everything um, so mm. it is a real shock because you go from one sort of person to suddenly you're a sort of function of some something else and yes. your priority in a way is your child over yeah. your husband I mean it shouldn't be but you can't say to a baby look hang on we're going to sit and have some meaningful conversations I'll get back to you in a minute yeah and it yeah it is, it is it is difficult and I think actually the, the certainly when you have a, a newborn baby um there are there are times when they will be crying and actually it's the only thing anybody can hear so you attend to that um and it's interesting this whole thing about okay what's our priority when we have children and I think sometimes there's an immediate priority which is to sort out what's going on with the baby or you know and do what needs doing um but underlying that that needs to prioritize one another prioritize your your marriage in order to be the best possible parents you can um I think again that's the I talk about intention and mindset all the time because I know that we don't always get it right you know I don't always get it right but that is the mindset that that I have or we've had over the years in our parenting that we'll prioritize this this our relationship and then we will look to be the best we can for our kids and I think it does when when you've got a tiny baby you know it, you you suddenly just have to stop and deal with that because as you say you can't rationalize with baby and say hang on a second I've just fed you You've had something here. I'm now talking to daddy, so be quiet. <laughs> you just can't do that. They need that attention often. And I think as parents, um, we have to, you know, I had to learn to adapt. We had to learn to adapt as a couple. And to almost have the conversation before, again, saying, okay, there will be moments when, or you often it'll happen, and then you realise you need to talk about afterwards where it's all got a bit hairy and a bit difficult. Um, and having that understanding of okay this has been difficult because this is suddenly this child is really demanding and as you say before then the only person you need to worry about is the other person in the in the marriage it is it is really difficult and I think also where you have a sort of simmering resentment like you know with the, as a mother you can sort of feed the baby and get get the baby to sleep but as a father quite often um the baby will then wake up <laughs> and you yeah. try and you try and give the crying baby to the father just come on just take her for a minute and then she's crying like oh for goodness sake give her back yeah and it's very <laughs> it's very it's really difficult or he's saying put her down she'll be let her cry you know different approaches yeah. to parenting it's really tricky when it's your first one and you don't see the outcome you never see the results of parenting till it's too late in a way you know you, yeah. you never get feedback on it no no mm. and and yeah definitely that sort of um as you say that sort of at times feeling like okay I, I need you to take over I remember when my my second child was born and um and he just didn't settle as well as my daughter had and there was one quite early on one day when I was thinking oh when my husband gets in I'm just gonna hand William over to him and I just need to sleep because I, I just need to sleep you know and every mum listening to this will know that feeling when you just feel like you're about to die unless you sleep and he came home and he had been you know he'd been up and awake over during the night with you know and he was utterly exhausted but he gets used to get these migraines where if he didn't sleep he would physically be ill so suddenly he came in and he, he had to go to bed. And I remember just phoning my mum in a desperate state. And my mum actually came over and rescued me, us. And she then took over and I then slept. But that, that sometimes that need to do tag team, as you say. But when it doesn't quite happen, I just, 
just you know you just feel desperate and I think one obviously that's my mum but I think actually again that's why it's important to talk to one another and have support systems as well when you're parenting because if you have support from others and from friends then that can help you work things out and make sure you keep your marriage on track as well with everything else. I, I remember from I think it was probably the same sermon that I mentioned before but someone said uh, the vicar said that the best thing you can do for a child this is to the husband uh, is to love the mother and yeah. that the, the, the husband's role is to really look after the mother while the baby's ill uh, ill young yeah and or ill and then you know your time comes a bit later that that you uh you know that that the priority is really supposed to be the relationship yeah definitely uh completely i think it's if we if we lose if we lose sight of our relationship with one another then it, it you start to kind of drift apart and actually we talked earlier about divorce rates and so on one of the most sort of surprising things i think that people don't realize is that um that actually people that do get divorced the the top reason for that is actually drifting apart so it's not big angry arguments it's not you know sort of tearing each other's hair out it it is moving away from one another and i think in parenting we have to make sure we keep moving towards one another and stay on track in that relationship um which is why communication is important say say how you're feeling Mm. if you feel like you're not doing that well, that's uh, that's what I'd like to come on to, actually. Think about, so those of us in the middle of life, hopefully in the middle of life, hopefully we've got another half left. Um, in terms of marriage, you know, we chunter along, we have a nice time, but we, you know, we're very busy. And uh, think about a relationship in a busy life where it's not that mm. the baby's demanding, it's that you've got some work you need to do, mm. um, you know, children are happening <laughs> and yeah. uh, family's happening and and so on everything's happening yeah um do you have anything like sort of hacks you know quick things that would make a big difference to a relationship where you you can't you don't necessarily have money or inclination to go out for dinner like mm. my husband and I if we went out for dinner we just think about how much it costs and then we yeah. go be resentful yeah. um but any any sort of tips for people who are just drifting who are hap- happily married but you know it's it's pretty much life's just sort of pottering along yeah and I think so again I'll share from my own experience really um when when the children were younger and you know yeah didn't have much income to go out didn't necessarily have babysitters anyway to come babysit so we we began something that we called wine on Wednesday Claire um and it was date night <laughs> and it it was on a Wednesday night, partly because it felt like a little extra treat in the middle of the week when life's busy. But we would sort of, if you like, have one evening in the in the week where we'd we'd have a bottle of wine at home, but it was absolutely carved out as our time. And it therefore doesn't have to cost much. You know, having a glass of wine is not, you know, a big expense or whatever you would like to do or watch a film together or just something that is time for us. And we, we've actually carried that on. And our children, as they got older, knew that, you know, Wednesday night was our, our time together. And, um, and we've said to them, it's important. We actually said to our children when they were old enough to understand, it's important that mummy and daddy have time together so that we can, you know, be a stronger family, et cetera. So that's the first thing I'd say is to do that. But I think the other thing we've done, you know, particularly when life is busy and full on, um, we have always made sure that we have checked in with each other, if you like. So when when my when my husband's come home from work, so I've I've worked from home quite a bit over the years. My husband's a, a teacher, um, so you know his hours are much more sort of you know out of the house and what have you. When he would come in and we'd have a we'd have a meal together, and then after dinner we would just stop and even if it's a half an hour, just say what's your day been like? What have you been up to? How are you? How are things? And just talk about what's going on and keeping interested in each other, keeping interested in the things that are concerning your partner. So I think just small times of checking in with each other and having date night fun, you know, keeping the fun going is a big part of navigating those busy periods of of life together. Yes, I think being interested, I mean, people... So denigrate work a bit but I think showing interest in their work mm. and them in your work is yeah. important because that's take what's taking up most of your life <laughs> yeah. is is your work and it yeah. is important to understand the issues they face at work yeah. and to uh, to chat from that point of view um, yeah. are there any sort of mental attitudes any s- sort of approaches you would have in terms of thinking 
oh, I don't know, put yourself in the right space to, um, oh, I don't know quite what I'm saying, like, like thinking of gratitude or uh, have an approach in your mind thinking, well, what would they think about this or what do I appreciate about them? And yeah, anything like that. I think, um, I mean, I'm, I think I would probably respond to that thing about love languages actually. And mm. that would be my kind of response. Cause I think actually um, understanding what is going to make my husband feel affirmed, feel good, feel loved and appreciated and, and, and vice versa um and so you know things like you know quality time is one of the love languages so definitely we both appreciate time with each other so that's perhaps partly why I've been particularly keen on date nights and checking in with each other but I do think that is important for everybody to a lesser or greater extent but quality time and and you know I think looking out for ways of recognizing the difference that we we make to one another and not taking those things for granted so um again I because I work from home, um, I've been the person who's cooked over the years. My husband has occasionally done so. Um, you know, lots of people share this out, but in our house I'm the person who cooks mainly. And um and I think most days my husband will say, Thanks so much for, for cooking. I'm really grateful. And it's a small thing, but it's just acknowledging that the thing that I do that serves us as a couple and and I would do the same for him. He tends to do more of the gardening, actually. He enjoys, in fact, he's really got into gardening over the last couple of years. But I'm really grateful for that, um, particularly because I've had some health issues with my knee. So some of the stuff I just can't do anyway. So I, you know, thanks so much for mowing the lawn. The garden looks really nice. And these sound like small, like, oh, that is that really a big deal? But particularly if you've had a bit of a full-on day and if I've had a, you know, busy day's work or maybe I've had, difficult time with one of my children and then my husband is showing appreciation for something I've done it's acknowledging my day and saying you know well done you know that's great and same for him as well you know acknowledging what other each other does and not taking those things for granted I'm saying all of this and it sounds like you know we live this perfect idyllic life obviously we get it wrong sometimes we don't always remember to say the right things but again it comes back to being intentional and and keeping on investing I think that's one of the other words that I, I use a lot is keep investing in that in your relationship don't you know we don't ever arrive do we at a relationship you don't arrive at your relationship on your wedding day and expect it all to you know that's why I've talked about healthy relationship and healthy marriage because it's a continual investment um as we change and grow and adapt and life changes happen and so on. Yes, I think saying thank you is really important that I think having an attitude of thinking, well, you don't um, expect things from someone else. You know, mm. I'm doing things for him. Uh, he does things for me, yeah. even though we're not just doing them because we have to. Yeah. And uh, saying thank you, that's it. My husband does most of the, well, he does all the gardening um, and I do almost all the cooking. And uh, you know, and say thank you, and then he does all the washing up. He does mm. all the ironing. But you know, saying thank you for for what they've done, yeah. and when he says thank you to me, so it's not sort of as of right that yeah. uh, you know I have to do this. That I'm, yeah. I like to think I'm doing as a favour, yeah. <laughs> even though I have to, I have to do it. Someone has to cook, and someone yeah. has to do things. So I think the whole sort of philosophy of gratitude mm. must must come into marriage as well. That, Completely. Um, you know, where you recognise what you're grateful for. Mm. And I I quite often think, golly, if he wasn't around and I had to do all the washing up myself, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, what I, I do in my mind, I sort of take him out of the equation and then think how difficult life would be yes. with, without him. Yeah. And, um, uh, and that, I mean, just, and this is almost, it's almost transactional, mm. you know, that obviously I, I love him. I really enjoy his company. He's a very good companion. Yeah. But also he's a very useful person yeah. to have around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and also Claire, yeah. this kind of showing gratitude and how we behave towards one another. All the time we're modelling something for our children, aren't we? We're showing them how to behave in relationships and um and almost whether that's friendships for our children or whether it goes on to be their future partners as well. It's just modelling a way of, of living and a way of life and how to relate to other people. Um and I think it's yeah, important for them to see that as well. And for them to understand, we don't take each other for granted. This is, it's not a given. I mean, like you say, we will automatically do it, but it, it's, it's good to just acknowledge the difference that person makes to you. Yes, I like to say good things about um, 
my husband out their father to to the children behind his back yeah. and then I tell him off into his face yeah. <laughs> in front of them so I like to be open to say oh you you know you forgot to do this or whatever yeah. whatever but when he's not around I'll say you know your your dad's great yeah. and he does all this and the other and yeah. you know this is what's really good about him yeah. so so to to talk well of him but then I think I'm very lucky he's a he's a wonderful husband and you can't but you can't go to other people where the husbands I don't think are quite as good and <laughs> say well mine's so good he does this he does all the ironing he does all this that and the other yeah um so so uh yeah we always joke about he's very annoying to other husbands because he's he he's just such a, a lovely guy and and so good around that I think I'm a bit harder work actually I think I've I've done quite well in the relationship I think but we both think that if we weren't married to each other we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to marry someone else because you know it's a uh, we're um well I like to say I've put a lot of work into him now I don't want to stop again start again you yeah know, I've trained him I've yeah trained him up. I, well I think the thing is we do just invest in that relationship and I think the longer that you've been with somebody the harder it is to imagine life without that person because you become so you become one so very much and it's it is difficult um to do that um but of course people do you know end up getting divorced and then potentially go on and marry somebody else and, and find a way to do that. But um, I we, I was talking with somebody recently um, and talking about how love grows and actually when you get married and particularly, well, when you're first dating, of course, you're all kind of, you know, gooey-eyed, aren't you? And all, it's all romantic and, and so on. And, and I am a real romantic, you know, I, I just completely soppy sort of person. Um but, you know, when you marry somebody and, you know, this is a good relationship, I'm excited by this. You marry with a sense of of the love feels complete at that stage as it is because you're choosing to marry them. And then you look back over the years and we've been married, it'll be 22 years at the end of July. And you look back over that time and you see how it's not that the love at the start wasn't complete, but it becomes almost just more and more embedded and fulfilled and just it does grow even though you don't imagine it will because you feel so in love from the outset does that do you see what I mean Claire yes yes you think I can't I remember thinking at my wedding thinking well I can't imagine loving him any more than Mm. I do now but you have more reasons to love them over the years you have more evidence of why they're lovable Mm. Uh, but but what happens when because obviously the whole being in love bit quite often fades away I think it's two years or something isn't it but what happens if you don't feel um emotional love as Mm. such like you just you feel like you love them Mm. but it's not a sort of oh here they are yay home from work I I think um Um, I mean obviously we've just been talking about the fact that you know we're we're both of us talking about very secure strong situations strong relationships but that hasn't happened by chance it isn't it isn't actually that we're lucky um you know it's not just oh golly that's worked out well didn't see that coming you know it is about (laughs) investing in the relationship and I think I talked earlier about commitment being not just on that first day of I do at your wedding but it's that daily commitment and I think that's where where our our love is about commitment so love can be the feeling but it's it is about you know the action which sounds like a cliche but it's about making choices each day and I think if we feel in any way that we're not as connected or we're not as in love or things feel hard it's making the choice to to reignite our relationship in different ways whether that is having fun together whether that is being more open about things you're finding difficult and and actually as soon as we start to to talk about these things it stops stops us from drifting or moving away and and it does reignite that that sense of love that you have for somebody so I think that that love is definitely at times it's the slushy romantic feeling but love cannot be that on its own it has to be the foundation of daily commitment to one another choosing um, to make good choices for, for your relationship together and and choosing to um, take care of your relationship and not let it slip and slide away from you um, back to the healthy relationship kind of qualities if you like you know the friendship kindness forgiveness we've talked about gratitude as well there you know all of those things intimacy um, to keep on coming back to those things. Uh, yes, I wonder how much it's um, also about taking responsibility for yourself uh, as 
you know they they always say that you can't change the other person mm. but you can you can change yourself yeah. and your your attitude um i like to think i have changed him a bit i do, i said to i say things to him yeah i said look you wouldn't want to turn around when i'm 80 if me to say i've always hated the way you do this or something yeah. it's only superficial stuff yeah. but uh but you know i'm going to let you know now so that you don't carry on doing it in this way yeah. um that that uh you know and sometimes i say look i know it doesn't matter to you but it matter it bothers me if you do just just humor me yeah. and do the, do whatever it is yeah. in this way please but in terms of the big things about attitude you can only really change yourself mm. um mm. and and uh you know take the right approach because you you can't make them i don't know i suppose into something they're not for, yeah for, but you can change the way you approach them and i think if you have both people who have that sense of um, accountability for themselves and you know this this commitment to the marriage therefore um you do your part and I think if you're both doing that you know it does it it will then work out because you're both choosing to you know say okay well I need to change here I need to do this differently I need to adapt and um it's one of those interesting things I think when you're married and when when your other half doesn't do things the way you'd like them to do them and you feel like you're making a big compromise but they also feel the same but we don't, don't see it from their perspective we see it from ours because we think about what we've done differently but they're doing things as well um and I think it's just you know being patient with one another but absolutely thinking okay what can I do differently um to to make things better in our relationship Yes, I mean, I sometimes think, would I want to be married to me? And I thought, oh, no, I'd be scary. <laughs> I'd be quite scary. I'd be scared of myself. Um, and, I, yeah, I'm always very grateful that, uh, that I've met him and that uh, he's prepared to sort of live with, with, live with me. Um, but I think on balance, I'm not too bad to be. So I try to sort of make up for the ways in which I'm difficult to be married to by just cook, cooking lots and, and trying yeah. to try to help out where I can. Um, yeah, it's a lot of self-reflection, I think, mm. as time goes by, you think more about yourself and what you're sort of bringing to the mm. whole thing. Um, and and I think looking for things to appreciate yeah. in in your partner, yeah. I think, and looking for, looking for the good yeah. rather than the... Yeah. And just, I think there comes to a point where you think, right, this is never going to change, I'm just going to have to live with this. And I think knowing... <laughs> and, and decide it doesn't matter. Yeah, and knowing as well that <laughs> yeah. in your relationship that, that you know that you're other half if you you know that you love each other that if they say or do something that upsets you or bothers you yes talk to them about it but you know their intention actually hasn't been to go out of their way to hurt you you know we don't we're not looking for ways to upset our other half I mean I'm not saying we don't hurt each other when we're in an argument and we say things we don't mean you know but the big picture my intention is to you know for us to be happily married together for me to make a, a you know a positive difference to his day-to-day -day life that's what I want to do I might not always get that right and it's the same with him and I think having that thought in your head you know that actually they aren't out to get you they're not out to give you a hard time that's helpful in terms of living with the things that are annoying um, because you think oh, they don't they're not really doing this to upset me it's just I find this annoying and I think that's a helpful thing to keep in mind as well yes oh well brilliant well thank you very much for for all of that Michaela actually I just wanted to ask as well how important do you think it is for people who have got divorced for whatever reason in a new relationship to get married yeah I, I absolutely think that you know that's a good thing to do 100% I, I the reality is not all marriages will work. Not all relationships are going to work. And for whatever reason, there can be all sorts of complicated reasons. Um, but I don't think we therefore give up on the institution of marriage. And it's interesting because it's almost sometimes you hear people saying, oh, I'm, no, I'm going to get married because, for example, my parents were divorced and look what marriage did to them as though marriage did the thing. It's not the marriage did the thing to the relationship. It's the relationship that has not worked for whatever reason. But marriage is still brings stability it still brings um such a kind of um long-term intentionality to the relationship so i think if the people that have been divorced um you know my sister is divorced she would love to marry again and and i would hope that she would do that someday and i think yes absolutely get married again and just thinking about the sort of things we talked about today those sorts of values and principles are still absolutely imperative when you in, in a relationship that you, you're saying, yes, I want to go the distance with this. I want it to last a lifetime. And again, it's about your mindset from the outset, you know, that intentionality.
Do you think, sorry, I'm still carrying on That's now. Fine. Do you think there are times where if... Uh, if you hadn't been married, you'd have thought, oh, I'm going to, that's it, I've had enough now, I'm off. Or, or do, you, do you think it's the actual being married, the inconvenience of being divorced, or what is it that makes the difference? I think, I mean, being completely honest, for me personally, I don't think I have ever got to that point where I've thought, thank goodness you're married because I would not be here. But I do know people have said that, and they find a way through. Um, so I do think definitely it, it makes a difference because – you you've made that promise to someone and it's a big deal to then come away from that and so I think that I've definitely spoken to other people that have said I know it's because it's because we've said we'll commit to each other and we value commitment we value marriage that we will stay together um so I do think it makes a huge difference it comes back to difference between marriage and informal cohabitation it's the commitment that underpins that the stability of that relationship for them for couple for children, for society as a whole. It, it branches out in all sorts of ways. Well, I think it's, um, when you think about it, it's the security, because whenever you feel insecure, like in previous relationships mm. when it wasn't working out, I'd feel insecure and then I'm not a very good version of myself yeah. when I'm insecure and you're very needy yeah. and so on. But in a in a marriage wrapper, you can feel secure yeah. and feel, you know, that... that uh, there's a bit there's more bandwidth yeah yeah <laughs> there's more leeway for things to go slightly yeah. wrong or whatever but you can come back and in it, it's, marriage is such a leveler because if you're if you're living with somebody and you've not had what I said at the beginning of this forever conversation then you'll always have one person who's more committed than the other um and therefore there's an inequality we talk about equality today there's an inequality in informal cohabitation because the person who is least committed has more power in that relationship and actually when when you're married it levels things out because you're both you're both on the same page you both know where you're headed and and as you say you therefore have this safety net of being able to be yourself and not be thinking oh my goodness I've just messed up they're going to walk out on me um it gives an extra layer of protection it doesn't mean that obviously every relationship is going to work but it gives that extra layer of protection um, that you don't necessarily have if you've not made the commitment to one another. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, th well, thank you. I, I will end it there. But thank you for that. And I'll, I'll be uh, chatting with my husband about things he can apply from this conversation. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know how you get how on. I think he could... <laughs> Yes, how he could be a better husband and generally. Yeah, no, that, thank you very much indeed. I really appreciate your time. Oh, pleasure. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Uh, Michaela has a YouTube channel called The Relationship Hub. And you can uh, hear more of her, well, you can hear her interviews there. Um, I'd just like to run over again some of the things that she mentioned in case you um, wanted to make a note of them or just to remember, remind you. Uh, we talked about a recipe for a healthy marriage, and these are the areas in it. Uh, commitment, communication, forgiveness, friendship, kindness and intimacy. Uh, love languages, we skirted around but never quite got around to it. Um, and these are the ways in which you appreciate being loved and you show love to others. And the important thing is to work out what, how others want to be loved and to love them in the way they uh, appreciate. So they are words of affirmation, quality time, physical touch, acts of service and receiving gifts. So, um, yeah, those are the love languages. So I just wanted to mention some other uh, podcasts I've been listening to. Uh, one is All the Hacks. I've mentioned that before. And they did. Uh, he did an episode on the 11th of August called Marriage, Kids and Money. And that was lovely to talk to. It's two chaps talking about their marriage. They are very intentional, very... Um, uh, yeah, focused on how to try to be good husbands and have a good marriage. And also they, they cover the money and that sort of thing. So that's really interesting to listen to. Um, a podcast I've mentioned before, which I love and is back, is called The Happiness Lab. And uh, Laurie Santos, she did a, um, an episode on nostalgia on the 16th of August. Uh, nostalgia is something I'm, I always thought nostalgia was brilliant. Oh, that's a little joke. Um, nostalgia is something I often feel because my children are now teenagers and I look back to when they were little, particularly with photos. And um, 
slightly mourn the passing of time. And uh, my son, actually, who's only 12, he also uh, gets very nostalgic. Uh, but it's really interesting listening to that podcast, um, particularly if your children are off to university or something and you're you're missing missing them already or anticipating missing them. Um, then that just talks a lot about nostalgia. And obviously things weren't always as great as you thought they were. Uh, but there's some interesting research in there about how we evaluate things in the moment, how we anticipate they're going to be and how they were um, actually in the past uh, when you're actually experiencing them. Uh, the Happiness Lab also did a really interesting um, podcast uh, about, now I can't remember what it was called, but it's talking about why you're not always as happy as you think you might be in the future, but how also future things are not always as sad as you think they might be. That basically we have a sort of happiness equilibrium and we generally tend towards that. So again, for anyone anticipating with fear the movement of children off to university or just, you know, that starting a new term or something like children started at preschool. I think when my children started at preschool, that's when I was probably at my most nostalgic and emotional. Um, then it's it's good to hear the research saying that actually we get over our sadnesses when it's something like that and uh, life pretty much carries on as it was. So um, that was the happiness lab and I, I, I think it might have been called the accidental millionaire, uh, that particular episode. Anyway, very, very good one. So, um, oh, I would also like to thank um, Alison Shields, who is a listener, who um, very, very kindly uh, gave me some a donation, which has helped me to pay for one of the podcasts. So if anyone else would be interested in sponsoring or just supporting any of the podcasts uh, financially, then I'd really appreciate that. Um, my email is mothersmatter at outlook.com. As I said, my name is Claire and uh, I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Mothers Matter Podcast and I'm on Twitter at Podcast Mothers. Uh, one more thing I'd like to mention is um, Erica Commissar, who has done a few um, podcasts with me, who is an amazing um, psychoanalyst and I really appreciate all the work that she does on mothering. She is bringing out a ch uh, book called Chicken Little, The Sky Isn't Falling Down, about raising children, teenagers in an age of anxiety. And I'm delighted she's going to do a podcast with me in uh, October, just before the um, book comes out in the UK. Anyway, that's it for now. Hopefully now children are back at school. I'll be able to be back again soon with another podcast. Bye. Bye.